Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we are encouraged that many of you are starting to fall in love with this psalm, seeing that it has deeper idea than just God's good, God's Word's good, God's Word, read God's Word. But we could see a story of a psalmist who is going through very real things, just like you and I would go through. They're going through many things that we could relate to, and yet he says in the midst of it, it's the Word of God that helps him through. It's the Word of God that he needs. Once again, we'll see this theme written here in Psalm 119. And if you don't mind, start looking with me in verse number 65. Psalm 119, and we're in a section of eight verses, starting at Psalm 119 and in verse number 65. If you don't mind, look with me if you don't mind. Psalm 119, starting in verse 65. Thou has dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but... I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. And if you wouldn't mind, would you mark an interesting phrase, probably a phrase that you wouldn't attribute as something as good, in Psalm 119, in verse number 71, and notice what the psalmist says through the inspiration of Scripture, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. What a strange phrase, and probably a phrase that you wouldn't utter out so often in your own mouth, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. And with the Lord's help, we want to see this idea that it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Now, before we dive into the psalm proper, may I show you a principle that is found within the Bible? Hold your finger here and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. And I want to show you a principle here that if you've never highlighted for yourself, I want you to mark that we understand that there are principles in God's Word that carries through that can give us a great understanding and a great help. In fact, there are certain phrases in the Bible that you should make as part of your everyday vocabulary. This is one of them and why I want you to take the time to look. Psalm or Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, we're coming back to Psalm 119 in just a moment. But I want to show you a principle and a phrase that I want you to have down. Isaiah 45, and notice with me in verse number 1. Isaiah 45 and verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holded, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of... 
kings to open before him the two-leaved gates and the gates that shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight and I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron and I will give thee the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. And if you've never marked that phrase in Isaiah 45 and verse 3, would you do this now and make this part of your vocabulary? The phrase, treasures of darkness. Treasures of of darkness. The phrase and the principle of treasures in darkness is this, that oftentimes the worst things that happen to us can become the greatest things that happen to us if it draws us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Inside of here, it's a prophecy that Israel is going to be destroyed Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. The temple is going to be destroyed. But God is going to bring Cyrus the Great, the Persian emperor, to allow the people to go back 70 years after their captivity to go back and rebuild the temple. And why did God do this? To bring the people of Israel back to himself. And he allowed these horrible things to happen because it's what they needed. Affliction was good for them. Because they realized they had a need of the Lord. This is the idea of treasures in darkness. It's a principle that we need to see in our life. That if we look at our life, there are some things that were awful that happened to our life. But you can look back and see that God meant them for good. That God did something in our life. And that this is the principle that the psalmist in Psalm 119 is speaking about. This principle of treasures in darkness. Turn back to Psalm 119 again. The principle of treasures in darkness. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. How can you say that something awful that happened to you was good? Because it let me know my need of the Lord. It let me realize that I needed God. And verse number four, uh, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I've kept thy word. Why did he keep his word? Because he had been afflicted. This principle of treasures of darkness. So if you don't mind, let's dive in and let's see some things here that he talks about. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. First of all, let's notice this. Thou has dealt well with thy servant. Thou has dwelt, dealt well with thy servant. When we start off, we have to recognize this principle. God is always good and God is always right. God is always good and God is always right. Especially when you look at it, the context that the only thing that we deserve is hell. If you ever wanted to see all the things that you're entitled to and everything that you deserve, put a piece of paper in front of you and write nothing. You deserve nothing. We live in an entitled age. So this concept is very, very hard to understand. But God is always good with us. And he is always right. And the psalmist starts off by recognizing this truth. If we're going to understand the principles of the treasures in darkness, we start off that God, thou has dealt well with thy servant. God has never dealt horribly with us. He has always dealt well with us because he is good and he is right. Notice with me in verse number 65. Thou has dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Even when everything goes wrong, it 
is well. It is well. God is always good and God is always right. It's why one of the favorite hymns of many people is that song, It Is Well. Have you ever heard the backstory of that that song, It Is Well? It comes from the author Horatio Spafford, who during the 1800s, He was working in Chicago when the great Chicago fire broke down. Burnt down his business, burnt down the church he was involved in. They had lost pretty much everything. And so while they were rebuilding everything, him and his wife and his two daughters were making plans to go to England for a business trip and just to leave Chicago while everything was building up. And at the last minute, as his family is boarding the ship, they pulled him aside and say, wait, uh, we've got some business things we've got to handle. You've got to be right here. And so he sent his wife and his daughters ahead with the idea that he would follow behind shortly. Well, it wasn't too long afterwards that he received a telegram with two words from his wife, saved alone. What had happened is during that trip over to the Atlantic, the ship that his wife and his two daughters were on had sunk. And his two daughters perished. His wife was rescued and brought to England and she sent this telegram, saved alone. Of course, Horatio Spafford went and grabbed a ship, the next passage to England, And as they were traveling, the captain pulled him aside and said, as far as we can tell, this is the spot where the ship sank and your two daughters perished. Well, Horatio Spafford, of course, took the time to meditate on these things, went back to his cabin. And it was in that time when he was meditating on God that he wrote the song, It Is Well. He wrote that song knowing that his his daughters had just perished. And yet he could still say within his soul, it is well. How can you say that by recognizing first of all that God is good and that God is right? Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Going back to a biblical illustration, you have the life of Joseph of the Old Testament who, just because he was his daddy's favorite, The rest of his brothers hated him. Oh, there's the dreamer. And they were jealous of him and his dreams and jealous of it. So much so that they had enough. And they captured their brother with the intention of killing him. But instead of killing him, what they did is they saw some Ishmaelite traders and they traded Joseph. They sold their own brother to slavery. Now, when he's being marched in bounds and going to Egypt, do you think it would be hard in his mind not to be bitter? Not to be angry. Later on he's sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. And because of his faithfulness. And because he refused to be bitter. And because he still looked up to God. God blessed everything that he touched. So much that Potiphar just didn't even keep the books anymore. And just because he had complete trust in Joseph. But then Potiphar's wife wanted to this young Hebrew boy and made advances on him and finally he just ran and left his coat and she being so spurned got angry told a lie and said that she he tried to take advantage of her when everyone was gone and Potiphar believed his wife rather than his trusted servant put Joseph in jail the book of Psalms says that his wrist and his Uh, Legs were rubbed raw because of the chains that he was in. And yet he still refused to get bitter. He could still sit in his jail cell and say, it is well. How can you do that? Because I believe God is good and God is right. And even though it didn't feel good when he's sitting in jail after being sold into slavery, none of those things which were his fault, 
he still said, I'm still trusting God. And even in jail, God blessed him because of his attitude and his sweet spirit. And he was placed in charge of all the prisoners. He was a prisoner and he was placed in charge of the prisoners. All of this to bring him to the place where Pharaoh had a dream and couldn't interpret it. And so they brought Joseph and stood before Pharaoh, interpreted the dream and told him that that there were going to be seven years of plenty within Egypt and then seven years of famine and that Egypt needed to save all uh, all that they could so they could sell it to the regions beyond. And you know what happened is that Joseph's family got caught in the famine. And they would have perished and died starving if Joseph was not in charge of Egypt. You see that God was good and God was right to allow Joseph to be sold into slavery. God was good and God was right to allow Joseph to be put in a prison. How did Joseph survive all of that when it was not his fault? God is good and God is right. If we're going to understand this principle of the treasures in darkness, we understand that first of all, thou has dealt well with thy servant. God is always good and God is always right. Our situation may not be fun and it may not be the greatest and it may be unfair, but God knows what he's doing. We see something else. Affliction caused me to desire thy word. Affliction caused me to desire thy word. Notice with me in verse number 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Now, when we believe a person, we will willingly listen to what they have to say. The psalmist had learned to say it is well, no matter the circumstances, because he could trust God's word. Because he could trust God's word, he wanted to know more of God's word. You see, he didn't get to the place where he was bitter. Fine, I don't want to hear what you have to say. He said, God, you're still good and you're still right. And even though I may be going through hard circumstances, I still want to hear what you have to say because I know that you're good. I trust you. Could it be that some people have a hard time reading God's word because they don't trust him? They don't believe God's character and his word. They haven't recognized the goodness of God. And so the Bible is just a bunch of words, a story, a fairy tale, a mythology. You see, when you trust God and you're able to say it as well, you want to listen to his words because you trust him. It's God's word that guides us and gives us hope Notice if you don't mind in verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Almost every single one of us could say that. That before I was afflicted, I went astray. Think of what God did in your life to bring you to himself. How many times it was hardships. You know, everybody who walks on the doors who have never been here before are coming here because there's something going wrong in their life. They're searching for something. They're looking for something. You know, if there was no affliction, no hardship in our life, we'd be fat, anemic Christians. We'd have no need of them whatsoever. It's until we have those afflictions that we realize, I need Jesus. And it is of God's goodness to allow those things in our life, to realize I need him. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy Word. 
What a wonderful thing. He says, I recognize that you are trying to teach me. Verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. He says, I recognize that you're good and you're right. Teach me your word because that's how you're going to correct my path. I'd rather God tell me what I'm doing wrong and me fix than him to take more drastic measures to get my attention, right? Amen. It's easier to say, you know what? I just trust God. God, if you say it, I'll believe it. Let me do it that way. Instead of learning the hard way, I trust God. So when we cover this idea of treasures in darkness, understand this principle. It starts off that God is good. Then second of all, because he is good, he allows affliction in my life for my good. Bible says in Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't say everything's good, but everything works together for good. God knows what he's doing. And he knows how to get us to where we should be. And affliction is often one of those methods to get us to the place where we're finally listening to God. Notice there's something else the psalmist said. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. So not only did affliction cause me to desire thy word, because he recognizes God's good and he understands this principle of treasures in darkness, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Notice with me 69. He says, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. The current affliction the psalmist is going through involves proud people. That's what he says there in verse 69. The proud. The proud people around him. And these proud people are purposely, intentionally lying against him and smearing his name. Nothing is harder than to to accept than to have your character smeared by a deliberate lie. It's hard for you to say God is good and God is right when people are intentionally lying to you. It is hard for you to keep your eyes on God and not on the circumstances. But he had to say, listen God, I trust you. I may not be able to trust people, but I trust you. And you know what you're doing. You know how to use this. You know how to work. Imagine that. Even with the lies spreading, the psalmist made a purposeful choice that he's going to stick with God's word. He's going to obey it. Again, notice the tail end of that verse. He says, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with a whole heart. It doesn't matter what the people around me say. It doesn't matter what they call me. It doesn't matter what names they have. It doesn't matter if they try to make me look bad. I'm making a decision. I'm going to stick with God's word because I need God's word. Because God is good. I trust in him. I've said this quote a lot lately, but an old evangelist said, the true measure of a man is not what he gets accomplished, but a true measure of man is what does it take to stop him? Is someone calling you a bad name? Is that enough for you to quit following God? Is it enough for you to quit looking at him? Is it good enough for you to say, well, I'm just not going to church anymore. People just... I mean, think about what people say. You start trying to tell people about Jesus at work, and they, oh, there's the preacher. And they don't use it as a good term. They use it as a derivative term. And, oh, no, people are calling me, oh, I'm not a preacher. Why not just say, okay, praise the Lord. You're a Bible thumper. Well, praise the Lord, you recognize that I'll use my Bible. I meant, they'll try to call you names, and it's amazing how we like to reflect back from it. But, you know, we just want the approval of people, and you can't have it if you're going to follow God. 
and they're going to make fun of you and you don't have to make a choice. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to stick with his word. He's the only one that I need to please because he is good to me. These people are not good to me. Why do I want approval of people who are not good to me? Why do I want to make people happy who are not good to me? You know what? You could try to be nice to your enemies all you want. It's not going to affect them. They're not, oh, you are a nice person after all. In fact, they usually double down. I should be seeking the approval of the one who's already got my best interest at heart anyways. Notice it goes on in verse number um, uh, <laughs> 70. Their heart is as fat as grease. Now here's a description here. Normally in the Bible, the word fatness carries the idea of prosperity and goodness. But God adds to this word picture that they're not just fat, but they're fat as grease. Fat as grease pictures a nasty, gross bloating of fatness. So here's the picture. The picture is that the inner person is like a big lard, piece of lard. Just Grease that's nasty and slippery. And then it's covered with flesh. That's who they are. Have you ever like squeezed fat and, and just watched it just gooey? And, and that's just how they are. That's how God describes them. They're just nasty and just full of fat and they're not good. And it's just horrible. He says, their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy word. He says, I don't care. I see what they're like in the inside. They're nasty and horrible. I'd rather please someone that has a, my best interest at heart than someone who's nasty on the inside. Who am I trying to please? Who, who's my attention on? He says, I can't allow them to dictate my attitude. I can't allow them to dictate my thoughts. I can't allow them to steal my sleep away from me. Isn't it amazing when someone does you wrong, how much brain power you use? Either you can't wait to say the next thing or you start thinking, oh, I should have said this. So you would show them or you start thinking of what you could do to, to show them how great you are, or how they're wrong. And how much brain power do we end up waste on these people after all? And that's their goal. I'd rather think about the one who loves me and the one who cares for me. And that's healthier for me anyways than to try to prove, you know, that goes by the way, the idea of pride. Whenever you're in a conversation and you feel like you have to go defend yourself afterwards or think of something, all that it is pride. When you're in an argument with someone and you feel like you're losing and then you spend the next couple hours just thinking about how you could have done better, it's pride. And we waste a lot of brain power on something that doesn't matter anyways. Have you ever spent a lot of brain power preparing to talk to someone? And then as much as you prepared, that conversation never goes the way that you practiced. Amen. All, the time. All that wasted brain power. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd rather spend time thinking about the one who loves me and has my best interest in heart than someone I'm never going to convince and someone who's never going to see it my way and someone who's never going to cooperate in the conversation to let him go the way that I want it to go. Amen. Trust the Lord because he's good for me. Notice of 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. He says, I'm so thankful that God afflicted to me because it drove me to his word. Amen. That's what affliction should do for you, by the way. That you should run to God and say, Lord, Daddy, they're after me, I'm coming to you. 
Daddy, I need you. And go to him. And go to his word. And go to the one who loves you. Go to the one who trusts you. Because God is good. And we understand the principle of the treasures in darkness. That they may do awful things. But God's still in charge. And he could use their nastiness. Remember, Joseph said that to his brothers in Genesis 50. He says, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Think about that. That's the principle of treasures in darkness. It's found all throughout the Bible. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Imagine if you actually quoted that to someone who was trying to lie to you. Try to say, well, you know what? You're a good for nothing scumbag. You know what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen. You should try that sometimes. See how it works. They're not going to be happy with that answer, but what are they going to say? Yell at you some more. Oh, good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm running to God's word. The more that you try to afflict me, the closer I'm going to get to God. Oh, yeah? yeah? That would change your arguments pretty quickly, wouldn't it? I don't know how that would work with your teachers, all right? So when they try to afflict you, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant... No. Double homework pretty quickly after that, but... <laughs> Let me afflict you some more then. You need to get close to the God, I can tell you. Here you go. All right. Trying to see which child is going to try that this week. All right. Samantha, isn't it? All right. But notice with me one last thing. Now my treasure is the word of God. Because of this principle of treasures in darkness, understanding, remember, we use that word treasures. And in Psalm 45, it talked about the riches that are found in Christ. This is the same principle that the worst things that happen to us can turn to be the greatest things that happen to us if it brings us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. In this psalm, the psalmist is being afflicted and he's recognizing the affliction. God is good and God is right and he's allowing this affliction because I need it so I could be driven closer to the Lord and I could go to his Bible and I could depend upon it more. That God was good to allow these awful things to happen. That's a very faithful thing to say. To say God is still good and God is right when you are hurting. But notice the result of it. 72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of silver and gold. Because of all that God has allowed in the psalmist's life, the psalmist's response to God is that the psalmist realizes the greatest treasure in his hands is the word of God. You see, it's a matter of priorities. Where do you want to succeed in the world of business or the word of God? Who do you want to please, the world or God? Jesus said we can't serve God or mammon. The path that the God led the psalmist through made the psalmist realize what the greatest treasure is. The word of God is the greatest treasure. He made a decision. The world that I'm living for is for heaven. And I'm going with the word of God. Now think about this. Pause. How much of a treasure is God's word to you? Is it something you have to endure in the morning because pastor is going to ask you, are you reading your Bible? Is it something that you just doing? Oh, well, this is what we do here. Let me get through my Bible reading so I can get to something fun. Or is it a treasure to you? Oh, one of the things I love to see is when people no longer have to have a checklist of how much they read their Bible and they're hungry for it and they just want to read it and they have an appetite for it. 
That's where you should be. It shouldn't be, oh, how little scripture you read. It's, man, I read till I was full and it was good. Hungry for God's word. You know what sometimes is necessary for you to finally get serious about your Bible reading? Affliction. To realize, I can't survive this world on my own. I need Jesus. You know, even Jesus made reference to this in the gospel record of Luke verses that we had just covered recently. In Luke 12, 31 and 34, it says, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where is your treasure? Do you see the word of God as a treasure? Or is it a weight? Do you see the word of God as valuable? Or do you just see something that's in the way? You see, it's all about not how you see the Bible, but rather how do you see God? Is God good and is he right? And if you see him as good and right, then what happens is that you're being driven to your Bible. If you're being driven away from your Bible, it is because you do not see good, God as good and you don't see him as right. That your eyes get on the circumstances rather than the God of the circumstances. This principle of treasures in darkness is something that can affect us every day of our life. That God is good and that God is right. And I can trust him. And you know what? It may be that you go out and you have a flat tire. Instead of kicking the tire and yelling at the universe for why aren't you hate me so much? Why not say, you know what? God meant this for good. I don't know what it is. But God meant this for good. And I can trust him. Hey, it could be that God kept you off the highway to miss an accident. It could be that he allowed you to be at the right place at the right time so you could witness to someone. Isn't God good and isn't he always right? That the world may mean it for evil, but God meant it for good. Can you trust him? This is the principle of the treasures in darkness. And when you get a hold of this principle, it revolutionizes your life that it doesn't matter what may come in your path. It doesn't matter what may befall you. You can look to God and say, God is good. And God is right. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.